Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of education research in the classroom. Each episode features a conversation with a different guest, teachers, authors and others interested in education, talking about what the phrase from page to practice means to them and the importance of applying evidence to classroom practice. Hi and welcome to Series 5, Episode 14. Today I got to chat with Hailey and Holly about the Maternity Teacher Paternity Teacher Project and their book. We chat about how the book is useful for teachers and leaders to help them navigate life as a parent and also to support teachers who are parents. Hi, so I'm here today talking to some representatives from Maternity Teacher, Paternity Teacher, uh, and we're talking a little bit about the book that is coming or has come. We'll find out all about that in a minute. So Holly, could you just let us know who you are for us, please? Yeah, sure. Um, So my name's Holly Bedford. Um, I'm an assistant head at Marling School in Gloucestershire, um, and I'm part of the Maternity Teacher, Paternity Teacher community, so the MTPT project for short. Um, which is a project um, all about inspiring, empowering and connecting teachers um, choosing to complete continued professional development whilst on parental leave and and um, also once back in school as well. Um, in terms of um, my career, I've had various roles within my school. Um, I've been at my school for 14 years now. Um, and within that time, I started as a modern languages teacher and an English teacher. Um, I've been literacy coordinator. Um, I've worked with the DfE to develop language teaching in primary schools. Um, I've um, up to the end of this summer, technically, um, I'm head of foreign languages and classics and EAL. But from September, um, I'm assistant head with responsibility for staff development, um, well-being, and teaching and learning. And that's how I'm sort of um, involved with the maternity teacher paternity teacher project through through well-being and professional development. And so we've got somebody else with us today, haven't we? So could you introduce yourself, please? Yep, no problem. Um, Hi, everybody. I'm Hayley Hughes. Um, I became involved with the um, maternity uh, paternity project um, because I was on parental leave five years ago um, and was somebody who was quite keen on continuing with CPD. I started a um, doctorate literally two weeks after my daughter was born um, and really kind of um, the, the, the whole kind of MTPT project and Emma really um, I found really inspiring Um, I was a secondary teacher for over 15 years English um, like Holly um, and was a senior leader and a middle leader and now I'm an academic um, so I work at the University of Sunderland as the country's only principal lecturer in mentoring and professional development and I'm also the head of education at Iris Connect as well as being seconded at the Department for Education for a day and a half a week working in ITT policy Um, so I've got fingers in in, in many different kind of CPD pies. <laughs> so not much going on there at all then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll start with you whilst whilst we're there. So what does the phrase from page to practice mean to you, Hailey? 
I mean, for me, um, as, as kind of an academic who very much sees herself still as a teacher, um, so a pracademic, I might term myself, um, I think, you know, like many kind of teachers in the past, um, I've attended conferences, I've read, you know, hundreds of CPD books, I get paid to do it for a living, which still is still outrageous to me. Um, and, you know, page to practice to me means that we're not actually just reading these things, we're not attending these, the, these events, um, just basically, you know, to pay it lip service we're actually doing something with it so page to practice is me for me is bridging the gap between research and practice and actually having an impact on on student outcomes and our practice that's great and, and holly for you what does in terms of your role in the classroom what does the phrase from page to practice mean to you um so i have i've always been really keen to develop my my practice i've always done um lots of courses and things but i'd say it wasn't really until the last sort of three to four years, definitely over COVID, that I've started reading a lot more educational books, um, listening to podcasts, um, looking more at research. Um, and probably it's since I started, I started doing um, my PG dip with the National College of Education. And from that, I've had to do a lot of reading and reflection. So I'd say what page to practice means to me is what I've learned from either what I've read or, or listened to and then thinking about how I could implement that in my school and what the practice could uh, what the impact of that could be so um yeah thinking about what you're reading and then actually putting things in place to make positive change you're listening to from page to practice join the conversation on twitter using hashtag page practice podcast so the main section uh, of the podcast is always about the personal interest or the, the particular project that the guests have come along to speak about today. So we know you're from the Maternity Teacher, Paternity Teacher project. Uh, can someone tell us a little bit about why specifically you've come along to From Page to Practice today? I'm happy to do that if you like. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it's just because, um, you know, we've all all kind of, for me anyway, uh, this is what kind of motivated me is that we've all seen the um, sort of dire statistics about teacher recruitment and retention um, at the moment. Um, and, you know, sort of thousands, I think it was 40,000 almost experienced teachers leaving the classroom last year. And I think what the sort of MTPT book does is it sets out kind of an alternative for teaching that has that flexibility um, that, that I think really policymakers at the DfE really need to listen to, um, and that and that's kind of what motivates me to want to come and chat about the book today. Great. So where did the where did the book kind of come from? Maybe Holly, you could tell us like what, where how did you get involved in it? Where was the where did the idea come from? So I first um, became aware of the MTPT project um, through Women Ed, I think, and um, from doing my my course with the NCE. Um, and when I, um, I I wasn't aware about the MTPT uh, project until about eighteen months ago, and it was when I was starting to think about being an assistant head teacher, and it was something that I thought, oh, there's no way I could be an assistant head. Um, at the moment, I've got two young children, my little girl's seven and my son's um, only just four. And so I thought, no, it's not possible. Um, and it was through sort of networking with people in Women Ed and on my course, um, they flagged the MTPT project 
for me, um, to me, and um, talked about how you could have um, uh, you could have sort of support in coaching through the MTPT project, um, and also talked about how um, how much the MTPT project used um, Twitter. Although well, it's, it's X now, isn't it? I, uh, but um, it worked. So I first of all started. I, I think is it X? I don't know. But I started following. Um, I started following um, them through Twitter. Um, I got talking to Lucy Hemsley, who's the lo- local um, Gloucestershire rep, who's also the rep for Women Ed as well, um, and talked to her about um, how she um, sort of runs or promotes um, MTPT in her school. Um, and then in um, and then the book came out, um, which was my sort of um, uh, Easter reading. Um, I say Easter reading came out um, yeah earlier this year, and I just absolutely lapped it up. It was just an such a fantastic read, written by different parents with different experiences, um, many of which I could sort of relate to. Again, that idea of women in leadership and whether you could be a, a in SLT and be have a young family at the same time. Um, it made me think a lot about um, an article that I read um, on the Women Ed website, um, which was by Gemma O'Brien, who was talking about, I want to be both, I want to be a mother and have my dream job. And she was applying for an assistant headship um, while she was on maternity leave. And so it's stories like that. Um, the book's a lot about, um, it sort of clarifies policy and clarifies your rights. But also one of the things that I particularly like about it is that it's people talking about their own experiences during parental leave and going back to work with um, young children. Um, so it's it's there's lots of different things that you can, um, you know, that you can see links with yourself with, but also um being part of senior leadership now is something that I've realised is so important for supporting well-being and having really clear policy within your school um, to support all parents, having equity for parents going on on leave and, and returning from parental leave as well. Great. So, Hailey, I'm going to come to you. You you said just now how you you know you get you get paid to read loads of books, so you know everything you know that's out there at the moment. How would you say this book fits into the space? How is it unique, and and why is it a why is it a good addition to what's already out there? I think it's it, it fills a kind of really important gap in in, in the market in so much as um, you know that there aren't many people out there writing about some of these issues that kind of teachers who are parents face and for for many many years um, I felt like I was one of the only people who was going through some of the feelings that that I was feeling. Um, I mean I think the book talks about really important um, topics like um, miscarriage for example and and baby loss Um, and I've spoken very openly um, on, on social media and as a case study in the book as well about the fact that um, I lost um, nine children before I had my daughter um, and, you know, to kind of recurrent um, miscarriage. And there aren't, I, I really felt quite lonely in that situation. Um, and, and like there was kind of nobody going through what I was going through at the same time as being a, a school leader. And it was really refreshing, actually, and quite supportive to read the book and to know that I'm not alone. Um, lots of the kind of um, 
case studies that are in there as well about women who, you know, um, had had been quite ambitious and wanted to progress in the careers as well as be parents and not have the two as mutually kind of exclusive um, events in people's life really resonated with me as well. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are having these thoughts about how do I balance a family? How do I balance my dream career? And I think this book is is really um, supportive um, and, and quite inspiring in that it shows real people who are doing exactly that. So you'd say the book is for actually a whole range of people in teaching then, so not just people who've got children, not just people who are trying to have children, but also people who need to understand the needs of, of everyone in their school. Have I got that kind of on the right lines? Yeah, absolutely. And and there are um, contributions from men in there. It's not a book for women. <laughs> it's, it's a book for parents, for leaders who want to make things more equitable for parents in their school as well. So yeah, absolutely. It appeals to a wide range of people. So let's let's look at the the content a little bit then. So Holly, do you have a favourite chapter of a bit that's resonated with you particularly, or or something that stands out for you? Um, oh my goodness, that's a really hard one to to say. I I definitely being so, part of my role now is leading well being. So I think some of the stats, some of the uh, facts about um, protected, um, you know, how uh, breastfeeding is um, a protected characteristic that you you need to know your rights. It's going through as well, talking about what happens um, policy wise if you've got um, parents who are going through IVF or um, looking at um, fertility and, and, and leave. And, and so I found um, some, some of the chapters on that um, particularly useful about just getting more of an idea of policy. And that's something that I've discussed with um, our CEO. So um, I've had a conversation with our CEO, CEO who's really keen to put together um, a people's charter for our um, multi-academy trust. And part of that is looking at how we support parents, um, how we're very clear with our policy within schools so that parents know exactly where they stand and what their rights are. Um, I, for example, didn't know about um, breastfeeding being a protected characteristic when I was sat pumping in my cupboard all the time when I came back after having my little boy. And I also didn't know um, with both of my children, I had horrific morning sickness all the way through. And and I think if I'd read this book beforehand, um, I, you know, the chapter on planning for a baby, I would have perhaps been a little bit more prepared. Um, I also particularly liked um, the chapter by Lucy Hemsley, who I've mentioned before about um, CPD, um, that you could go on um, when you're on um, parental leave. But also I would have really um, appreciated the transition coaching that the MTPT project offer. And Lucy talks about that in her chapter, um, because after my first baby, I came back to work and I, I thought about going part time. I'd always dreamt of being a head of department, but I didn't really see that it would be possible. Um, 
I did actually go for head of department in the end and got it. But at the same time, but it was, I think I would have really appreciated that transition coaching if, um, if I'd have known about it before. So that's a really good chapter. Um, and then the other one that particularly um, resonated with me was Emma Shepherd's chapter on family friendly or simply good leadership. And I think that's a big part of it as well, that um, you can see this as a book that's specifically about supporting parents. But actually, I think it's it's just a practice in good leadership, in being human and in being a compassionate leader in promoting your um, the well-being of your staff. So those, those are the sort of main ones that I, I particularly um, enjoyed. Well, that's great. You know, two really you know, key um, detailed descriptions of those chapters as well and what you took from them. So, highly other, other than those chapters, is there, is there anything particularly that, that's of note to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a, a part about um, gatekeepers. Um, I, th- I think it was Nikki and, and Matthew, um, and um, that really resonated with me. So they were talking about the fact that sometimes there are kind of gatekeepers in school who um, sort of presume that because you know you've just come back from mat leave or you know you're planning on having a baby, that actually it isn't the right um, time for you to you know take a promotion or, or you know um, seek to, to do something sort of more forward thinking in your career um, and, and I did um, a, a master's degree when I was pregnant uh, it was my third master's degree and as I said I started an ed when my baby was two weeks old uh, and it reminded me very much of Sarah Mullins case study in it um, who who you know her first baby was only three months old when she started um, studying as well um, and my first baby was only a couple of months old when I actually did the PGC as well um, and when I, um, I had sort of a couple of months left of mat leave at my old school and I was thinking about sort of my next steps and you know having that time to reflect actually over mat leave was really useful for me um I joined Twitter um you know I I um, managed to um, secure three book contracts like all over my mat leave because I had that time to actually reflect on what I wanted to do and I um had a return to work meeting um and I told my head teacher that I was going to be um essentially looking at moving back up to a senior leadership team I'd already been on the senior leadership prior to, to this and and uh, stepped down to be a classroom teacher again because it was the right time for me to do that at the time and my head teacher said um, my daughter came with me in the pram and my head teacher said you know why do you want to um, go back up to SLT I mean look you've just had a baby I mean look at her um, and I just found that quite hideous to be honest um, I, and I, I think I did say something to him along the lines of you know would you say this to a man Um, And then he obviously realised what I was intimating and got quite kind of defensive then and was like, no, you're putting words into my mouth, you know. And actually, my return to work was completely hideous as well. I was all over the school, um, didn't have my own classroom base. Um, I was taking classes that the head of department informed me that no one else could cope with. So I was coming back to sort them out. Uh, And, you know, the bit that in in the book that talks about working like you don't have kids, I think, just resonated massively with me the amount of times I've had to take unpaid leave um you know for for children's illnesses because I'm working in a school that doesn't kind of you know have compassion for for working parents um so there was loads of bits that resonated with me but particularly the bit about gatekeeping really and, and this idea that you actually can't you know have a really um sort of high-powered job and also be a good parent um yeah <laughs> 
sounds like you've both taken taken so much from from the book um and i don't think i even need to ask you why should someone read it because i think you've sold that perfectly well up until this point anyway but why should someone get involved with maternity teacher paternity teacher beyond reading the book what, what do they get out of that i think um it's it's the support of a community really so um I'm sort of pinching the idea for, again from Lucy Hemsley at Bourneside in Cheltenham. Every um, every member of staff um, who goes on paternity le- uh, on parental leave, Lucy offers them membership to um, the MTPT project, um, and basically that involves having um, coaching, having a community, um, being able to to meet up with um, the um, Gloucestershire. Um, Gloucester MTPT project organising get together in Cheltenham in a few weeks time with your kids you can come along um, and it's you know I've, I've had um, colleagues who are um, on maternity leave at the moment or who are going on maternity leave and you've asked me a question I've said get in touch with the MTPT project they'll be able to answer it for you so I think a big part of it is that that community but also there is still a lot there is still a lot of sort of unanswered questions or uncertainty around policy um, things like that. So um, I found I, I would definitely recommend the MTPT project to anyone who is um, has had children or is thinking about having children or is currently on parental leave. Um, just as as sort of um, as I said, that community, that helpline, that um, place to go to for advice, um, and also to to see um, to see that you're not alone in some of these um, some of these areas of um having children because I think it can sometimes feel really lonely especially if you're at home alone with your baby um previously you're interacting with you know hundreds of kids and teachers a day and then you're at home on your own um so I think it's yeah it's a really invaluable community to have access to I think one of you mentioned this earlier actually but it really strikes me as um a, a very you know helpful supportive mechanism especially in the the times we're in with recruitment and retention and do you think there are and I'm sure there are people within the group maybe the examples you you know of that that probably would have left teaching if it weren't for for what this has been able to provide them the knowledge the support yeah definitely I mean one of the stats that that um, is mentioned in the book is that women aged 30 to 39 represent 27% of um, teachers leaving the classroom every year. And, you know, reasons for that being workload, lifestyle, mental health, obviously family commitments. And I think if um, if you were to have a school that I'm, I'm lucky in that my school is, is supportive of flexible working, um, if I think if you were to um, be in a school with um, SLT, you know, CEO, HR that have read this book, that have done the courses that are available to go, uh, correspond with the book, I think that would be that is a huge plus um, and reason to, you know, it's, it's going to make people want to stay and feel that they're being supported and understood and that their well-being and the well-being of their family is a priority. So, yeah, I think it's particularly pertinent at the moment with um, with the recruitment and retention crisis, definitely. 
So thinking of the the fact that we're talking about, you know, books and this book in particular today, do you think there's anything else out there that people who are interested in this book might find useful? Is there anything you're aware of in terms of other books or podcasts in a kind of similar space? Not exactly the same thing, but for example, I think there's some out there talking about flexible working, that kind of thing. Is there anything that either of you could recommend? Yeah, I was going to uh, recommend um, some of Emma Turner's books as well. Um, so, you know, Emma, um, again, is a huge advocate for flexible working um, and, and has written some some brilliant books um, on, on that. So I would definitely, definitely recommend that. Um, Holly, I'll pass over to you because I don't want to name all the ones that you're going to name. <laughs> Um, I was I was going to say definitely reading um, Women Ed Ten um, Percent Braver is an absolute fantastic read and really goes hand in hand with this book. Um, also, there's some really great podcasts out there. Um, Voicing Education um, is a good one that actually has um, one of the episodes is about MTPT. Um, yeah, the um, school leadership podcast as well, um, potentially look, talking to um, addressing um, issues of recruitment, retention, well-being for senior leaders. Great. So where do people need to go if they are interested in either learning more about or getting in contact with MTPT? What's the best uh, thing for them to do? Definitely the first uh, place to, to go is Twitter, um, both the official um, kind of MTPT uh, page um, and also Emma has an account on there as well, Emma Shepherd. So the, the URL um, or the um, at, if you like, is MTPT Project um, on, on Twitter. Great, I'll get that put in the in the notes for this episode so that people can get a hold of that then. So before we move on to the final section of the podcast, is there anything more to do with the book or MTPT or this general topic that we're discussing that we haven't covered yet that you'd like to make sure gets mentioned? We could talk about the return to work um, workshops and the coaching that MTPT do as well. Um yeah, so um, they regularly run uh, workshops for people returning to work. Um, there's coaching programs. So it's not just um, about kind of just the meeting up and coffee mornings, which are brilliant, by the way. I was the West Yorkshire rep for, for many years and, and met some amazing people um, during my time kind of doing that. But there are also some really brilliant practical workshop and coaching opportunities as well that, that Emma also runs and along with some other experts. Great. Are they regionally, nationally or mm -hmm. online? Yeah. Or? yeah, so they tend to be regional. Um, so I know there was one, um, there's one that's just been advertised on the MTPT Twitter page that people can have a look at, uh, and that's on Eventbrite. Um, so it's looking at um, sort of flexible working applications for your school um, and uh, the, an MTPT's flexible returns program. So if you go onto their um, Twitter page, you'll be able to find the Eventbrite for that. And they're regularly advertised on there. They're great. Oh, that's really good to hear that there's a whole range of things things going on, um, you know, beyond the the community, the engagement online to see there's something really, really tangible out there for, for people to get involved with as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're always looking for more people to be involved as, as reps and things. And Holly, anything else you want to add before we continue? Um, I was going to talk about the opportunities to get involved as well. So they're always advertising on Twitter for um, people to get involved in social media or, yeah, being reps, um, organising events, um, that sort of thing. So um, it's definitely, it is a 
a, a, a network and a community um, and they're always looking for people to become involved to, to further push the project because it is so important. I'm sure there's a whole range of kind of commitment levels there, but just so that anybody who thinks, oh, I don't have loads of time, but I'd love to be involved, you know, it doesn't get put off. Is there kind of more a range of things people can do, things that take less time, things that are, you know, bigger, bigger roles and that kind of thing? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, from my point of view, I'm not actually a rep. I'm just part of the community, but I tweet about it regularly. I was invited to come and do this, but um, also things like, um, yeah, the meetups, the coffee mornings, um, being writing articles for newsletters. Um, you know, if you were going to do the, um, the social media side of it, it's just sending a tweet a few times a year, a, a few, uh, you know, a few times a month. It's not really um, time heavy. It's just, it's publicising and sharing the word about it. So just generally being out there and being a good advocate for the, yeah. the organisation and helping so that that awareness is out there with, with more and more people, I guess. Absolutely. So before we move on, I think I've said before we move on like three times now, but <laughs> before we do that, uh, where can people find you? Highly, I'll start with you. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Probably Twitter again, um, so uh, not to be predictable. Um, but yes, you can find me at Hughes Highly on Twitter. Um, very colourful profile, so you can't miss me, really. <laughs> um, or um, I'm also on LinkedIn, but tend to use that for very boring professional um, things. So Twitter is probably best. <laughs> and Holly, what about you? Um, I'm again Twitter for me as well. I'm um, at Holly B10, so that's Holly with a Y B E A 10. Holly B10. I'm on um, LinkedIn as well, but I don't use it as much. Sign up to receive the From Page to Practice weekly newsletter to read tips and advice from my guests, as well as information on upcoming episodes. Find the link in the show notes for this episode. Great. Okay, so the final round of the podcast is the CPD library. And I've got a list of, I don't know how many, I've never counted them, but a few categories uh, where I'd like you to give either a book or a podcast or a, a person, whatever comes to mind for you for that topic. Uh, now, because there's two of you, we'll just go for take it in turns or if you don't have something for that one, that's fine. Um, but I'll say your name so we don't kind of get all talking over each other so the first one um first got you into evidence informed practice please highly yeah so to be honest that would probably be um rob coe's seminal research for the sutton trust in 2015 on what makes effective tea great and holly what about you um, I'd say it's probably, as I said, it's more of a recent thing for me, um, reading and, and do the art, reading the articles and books. I, I would say it was probably 10% braver. The stats just astounded me. Um, and it really got me thinking that I could become a member of SLT, whereas previously it wasn't something I'd considered for the next sort of five to eight years. Oh, that's great. And that is one of the books that has been mentioned on. I wish I'd been counting, actually. I wish I'd been tallying up when different books and different authors get mentioned because that one comes up so often. It's clearly made such an impact on so many people. Um, so uh, resonated with you the most is my next one. So should I go for that? Um, go for it. 
So, I mean, the, gosh, there's been so many, to be honest, but probably Phil Beadle's The Fascist Painting. Um, being a student who comes from a, a disadvantaged background, um, who has read uh, Bourdieu very widely um, and is frustrated at the misunderstanding of cultural capital that is going on at the moment. Uh, and Phil Beadle nails it on the head. Great. And Holly? Um, I'd say Putting Star First by John Thompson and John Yutley. Um, the idea at the beginning, um, they open the book talking about oxygen masks on a plane and when the cabin pressure falls and the oxygen masks um, fall down from the ceiling, parents are told to put their oxygen masks on first before putting them on their children. And they use that analogy to talk about teachers, that we should be looking after our teachers first and foremost so they're in the best possible position to be able to look after our students and that's something you know as I've got a real interest in in staff well-being that's something that resonated with me a lot yeah I've got that one that's that's a good one um where am I up to so challenged your views then highly back to you yeah I mean there's been, to be honest, quite a lot that have, have challenged my views. Um, I think the first kind of time that I read uh, Tom Needham's book on explicit English teaching, that challenged my views quite a lot as somebody who, um, you know, hadn't really thought about kind of cogsci in relation to English, to be honest. It, it challenged my views a little bit, but I've read it and I absolutely love it. And it's completely changed the way that I think about quite kind of even mentoring English teacher um, students as well, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that one challenged my thinking, but I absolutely love And that's exactly why I include that category to think about, you know, the things that we weren't thinking at one point, but actually, oh, okay, we've we've given something a chance and it's had an opportunity to change our views, which is important, isn't it? Um, So, Holly, what about you? Um, I've just finished reading Be More Pirate um, by Sam Conniff Allend, I think it's pronounced. And um, it's it's based upon um, a comment by Steve Jobs, um, who said that it's better to be a pirate than join the Navy. And it's about sort of standing up and questioning the norms. in in education is it's, it's not necessarily just related to education it's sort of leadership and and challenging societal norms in general um and yeah i've just found it's really made me consider how to sort of balance being a bit um more pirate with sort of agile style of leadership um not just not just following um blindly but standing up and questioning things especially again at this time with recruitment and retention problems do we need to look at how how we're running schools oh I hadn't heard of that one sounds good okay so um next one had the biggest impact on your practice um for me um, it's probably um, Paul Kirshner and uh, Carl Hendricks' book um, about kind of what does this look like in the classroom. Um, I think, you know, we're on page to practice and we're talking about bridging the gap between theory and practice. And that book is just the epitome of that for me. And it's one of those books alongside kind of what every teacher needs to know by Jay Pierce that literally sit on my desk and I dip into constantly. 
No, absolutely. That's a great one. Uh, and the, the mention of Jade Pierce's book there, I'm hoping that might come back. But yes, that's a great one as well. Uh, Holly? I love her book. Yeah. Um, mine probably was one that I read years ago, The Lazy Teacher's Handbook. Um, and it was when I was in my first few years of teaching. And it just it made me realise I was working too hard and the students weren't working hard enough. So I just... Um, I think I, I got a lot of tips from that on on just ways to slightly change my practice to make sure that the the kids were working harder than me and were making um, really substantial progress. So this next one, um, lots of people say to me, oh, I wish I could say loads of books. Now, obviously, there are a number of books which should be ECT or ITT required reading. But if you had to pick one or at a push two, what would be the top of your list? Hailey? Um, Probably, to be honest, I'm going to mention it again. Um, either Jade Pearcey's book um, on um, kind of, you know, what every teacher needs to know, or I would also say as well, um, Bradley Bushy's books um, that, that really take kind of the studies and put them in simplistic terms. So he wrote one, for example, called The Science of Learning, which I just think is so brilliant for, for ECTs. And for mentors, obviously, I'd say my own book. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think all three of the books you've just said, including your own, have come up from other people suggesting oh, them nice. at, at different times. That's nice. <laughs> and Holly, what about yourself? Um, I definitely agree with the with Jade Pierce's book, um, What Every Teacher Needs to Know. But also um the Teaching and Learning Playbook um has come up quite come out quite recently by Michael Feely and Ben Carlin, and it is fantastic um and walks you through um lots of different scenarios for um curriculum, modeling, um, assessment, metacognition, um, and it also comes with videos that show best practice as well. So I think that is fantastic and something I'm planning on giving our ECTs as they join our school um, but also one that I think is really useful is Successful Difficult Conversations in School by Sonia Gill um, knowing how to speak to parents knowing how to um, speak to colleagues at times especially useful for new heads of department I'd say so yeah so one's more sort of teaching specific one more perhaps sort of pastoral um, and those difficult conversations that occasionally have to be had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember just having one little session during my, my training about having difficult conversations and it was, you know, a, a book like that would be really, really useful as something different as well. You know, you read quite a lot of similar stuff and that's on a, a different topic that probably doesn't get covered as much as it should, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Um, where am I next? Oh, inspired you, please, Hailey. Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I think I was um, really, really inspired um, by Jim Knight's um, Impact Cycle book um, on instructional coaching. Um, I think there's a lot of kind of um, talk about instructional coaching at the moment um, as being very prescriptive, as being kind of top down of an expert telling a novice what to do, or sometimes an expert telling an expert what to do. Um, but I think the way that Jim positions instructional coaching, which is all about kind of of two um, partners working together in a shared endeavour of teachers getting better is my kind of instructional coaching. So he's, he's writing really inspires me. And what about you, Holly? I'm going to actually say the that teaching and parenting and creating family-friendly schools by the MTPT project, because 
there was so much that I took away from it that I, I was just writing a list of things that I was going to do come September. Um, so there's so many, there's so much in there that you think, yeah, that's a quick win. That's an easy win. Some that are more cultural changes, but um, yeah, it left me really inspired after reading it. Great. And actually, because we've we've never actually said the entire title of the book um, without it either cutting out or actually just acknowledging it. So before we continue, could you tell us the title of the book so people who want to search it online can find it, please? A Guide to Teaching, Parenting and Creating Family-Friendly Schools. That's great. So I'll make sure that goes in there. Um, so with three left, um, and Hailey, we're back to you, your most recent read. Yes. So it's a very recent one, actually. I've literally just um, finished reading it. Um, and it's book by Sue Cowley and it's How to Survive Your First Year in Teaching. Great. And Holly, what about you? Um, mine was um, Unleashing Great Teaching, The Secrets to the Most Effective Teacher Development. And that was by David Weston and Bridget Clay, all about um, CPD, um, communication, well-being again. Um, it was it was a really good read. Yeah, that's an interesting one. That one I've I remember I've got that on my shelf somewhere. Um, next on the to be read pile, Hailey. Um, oh my god, ten thousand long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get I get sent probably six or seven free books a week, so it's just um, a bit <laughs> crazy. Um, so um, I have got quite a few racked up. Um, the next thing I'm going to read is the Early Career Framework: Origins, Outcomes, and Opportunities, and that is written by Tanya Overden Hope, who's a professor at Plymouth. Great, and Holly. Um, I've got a couple um, that, I, that are on my shelf ready to read. First one is Matthew Said's Rebel Ideas. Um, and the next one, although I, I know of Doug Lamarve and Teach Like a Champion, I've never actually, I've, I've watched, watched podcast, I've listened to podcasts and watched YouTube videos, but I am actually going to sit down and read the tome that is Teach Like a Champion 340. <laughs> so yeah, that's my next one. An episode does not go by without Teach Like a Champion coming up at some point. 40 minutes in, we're there. Um, <laughs> so this is my last category. Now, you can interpret this however you would like. Um, some people have taken it two different ways, so I'll explain. The, the final one is doesn't exist but should so it could be that there's an area you're interested in and you just don't think it's all gathered together in one place. So you've not seen anything um, useful that's all together. You know, something that might be really good when you first started teaching, you just thought was missing. Or an area that you're really interested in, you just can't find much out there about that area so yeah people have taken this uh, in various different directions i ended up having bradley bush basically dragon's den style pitch me a book at this <laughs> point um so <laughs> take it how you wish um so highly any any thoughts yeah, so I've just handed in my doctorate thesis. Um, and as part of that, I was looking at kind of the effect of media headlines on teachers during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I am going to actually pitch a book, so you've heard it here first, um, looking, looking at um, sort of teaching over the last seven decades and the policy changes, the media headlines and interviewing people who've been teaching in those decades. So you might have seen I put a Twitter shout out for that and had like a ridiculous amount 
amount of, of um, applicants for it. Like, so it's going to be quite, quite huge. But I think there's a real, you know, we keep asking why people, we, we're very much working from a deficit model of why are people leaving the profession, but actually why are people staying in it? And I think there's a gap there and we need to look at actually what qualities, what attributes, what parts of a teacher's professional identity are giving them the longevity and the resilience to stay in the classroom. Wow, sounds great. And like I said, people take it in all sorts of different directions and, and that's another direction again. That's great. Thank you. And Holly, anything that you would, would find really useful that's not out there maybe? Um, I guess it's, it's building a little bit upon the MTPT book, but I'd, I'd love a book on how to juggle being a mum, a senior leader, a teacher, a wife, like top tips, but I'd like it to be really either really short or very short chapters. So it's easy to pick up and put down. Um, it's sort of top tips because, um, one of the things that, um, I thought was, was funny in the MTPT book was the quote from Nora Roberts that said, um, Oh, well, the key to juggling is to know that some of the balls you have in the air are made of plastic and some are made of glass. If you drop a plastic ball, it bounces. If you drop a glass ball, it shatters. So it's like, how do I juggle everything? Give me some ideas, but give me quick ideas because I don't have loads of time. So maybe I'll write it in a few years time, but it would be very short, very succinct because I don't have loads of time to sit down. (laughs) But you know what, that's one of the things that's really popular. I talk to a lot of people about, you know, what types of things they like to read. And more and more frequently, the books that you can either read quickly in one sitting or that you can dip in and dip out of as you like are are becoming more and more popular from the conversations I've had. So, uh, yeah, sounds great. So thank you so much to both of you for giving up 45 minutes of, of an August evening. I'd love to say a sunny August evening, but... 2023 is depriving us of that isn't it I think um but anyway your summer holiday uh nonetheless um so thank you so much for coming along before we kind of press the stop button is there anything else you'd like to say that we uh, haven't had a chance to talk about Uh, I guess I would just say that even if you don't want to become kind of um, involved in terms of volunteering for the MTPT project or being a rep, have a look at the coffee mornings. Um, That's a great place to start. And, and, you know, they're just such a wonderful, joyful experience of connecting with others who are kind of living what you're living and have got similar concerns and aspirations and hopes and challenges. and, And it's just well worth people's time. And Holly, anything else from you? No, I think I think that's it, really. Great. Well, in that case, thank you both for coming along. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Are you interested in evidence-informed practice? Do you have a favourite edgy book? Have an idea of what great CPD is and should be? Or to just generally have a chat about education? Please sign up to join me for a conversation. I rely on volunteers from all contexts and levels of experience. Visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast for the sign up form. I hope you enjoyed today's chat and in the next episode I speak with Isabel Jones about a range of issues including grassroots CPD organisations and engaging with evidence and experience from different contexts and backgrounds. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag page practice podcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons. <laughs>